We come to God's Word this morning. We have been going through a series in the Psalms and since about January. We're beginning to wrap that up. This week and next week are my last couple of Psalms. This week we're in Psalm 121. Next week we'll be in Psalm 139. Uh, and Psalm 121 this morning is one of my favorite Psalms. Uh, it is a very encouraging Psalm. So, if you haven't already, turn to Psalm 121. Here... The Word of God. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come? From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. From Yahweh. Who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you. Will not let you. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we come this morning, we gather as your people to your presence. We gather to sit at your feet and to offer you our hearts in worship. But we also gather to hear, to listen, that you might instruct our hearts, that you might instruct our souls, that you might teach us. But Father, we would gather more than information. We would be transformed by your word. We would have our lives full of Your presence and strengthened by the truths that we find here that we might walk with You day by day in a way that is richer and fuller. For these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It is one of my favorite psalms because it is like Psalm 23 and in some ways it's very similar to Psalm 23. It takes a different kind of set of language and a different kind of of image, but there, there's a lot of overlap. They're both psalms that are almost of pure encouragement to the soul. Uh, almost a pure, in a sense, revelation of the character of God to His people. Who He is for us. Who He is to us. It reveals God's heart. Alexander writing on it said that the whole psalm is a description of Jehovah, Yahweh, as the guardian and the protector of His people. In many ways, very rich and very simple, and yet very profound. And if we were to walk in it daily, we would find incredible encouragement and strength from the knowledge of it. As I say, it's very similar to Psalm 23, where there it says, the Lord is my shepherd. And here it says, the Lord is your keeper. And a shepherd is a kind of keeper. He's a keeper of sheep. um, And does similar things. Watches over them day and night, protecting them. Um, guiding them where they should go, protecting them from all harm. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my keeper, my protector. In Psalm 23, David was probably on the run from Saul. Uh, As you look at the historical context of these, and in David as he's uh, hiding and evading and running and living in caves and looking up, afraid. To God who is His shepherd. 
Here the situation is a little bit different. Uh, we don't really know the situation in, in many ways. It doesn't give us a context. Most would say this is a little bit later, later in the life of Israel, probably from the time of Israel's exile, um, or at least later as a psalm of, of, of pilgrim's progress, when people would pilgrimage into the Jerusalem for all the festivals and the feasts and that kind of stuff, that this is a psalm talking about uh, the dangers of the road and the dangers of travel. Either way, it is a fresh word from God to His people of His love, of His care, of His protection, who He is to us, who we are to Him. It exudes this calm, confident trust in a God who can be trusted no matter what we face and no matter what we go through. It opens with this command to lift up our eyes well, it's not a command. It, it, it comes as um, with that force on my soul when I read of the psalmist who says that I lift up my eyes to the hills. My soul says yes. My soul responds with imitation. I want to lift up my eyes to the Lord and the One who watches my soul. He gives us this call for deliberate trust and dependence. And that's what it is. To lift up our eyes off the road off our problems, off our circumstances, to lift up our eyes above and to see the greater perspective and context of a God who reigns. The God we talked about last week in the previous psalm. The Lord who reigns at the Father's right hand. Who reigns now. Who sits enthroned as King. All authority and all power has been given to Him. And it's to there that we lift up our eyes. It is to this One who reigns. And so first we want to look at a couple of different reasons to lift our eyes. We'll come back to that and touch on it as we go. But two reasons that he says, as I lift my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? My help comes from Yahweh who made heaven and earth. Two reasons he gives for us to do that is one, is that we travel through a dangerous and broken world. And the second is that as we do that, we have a keeper. We have a protector. We have someone who watches over us as we travel through the valleys of shadow and death. Who protects us from all evil. The world has fallen and cursed. You and I know that moreover than uh, I think than many as we understand why the world is the way that it is. And not only do we watch the news and see stuff that's going on around the world in a thousand different ways as we look at our election, but even as we just, just now prayed through a, a short list of people in our church who are struggling with various illness and sickness, that list was not exhaustive. There are people struggling in, in so many different ways. The world that we travel through is fallen and cursed. It's broken There is natural and moral evil of various kinds. And when I say natural evil, that is the kind of disease that enters our lives. Things that we face that are just part of living in a world that is broken. You know, but there's also moral evil, the ways that I'm sinned against, the way that sin is, has invaded and pervaded our culture, the way that sin rises within my own heart. We live in this fallen and cursed and broken world. 1 John 5.19, John writing says this, the whole world 
lies in the power of the evil one. We forget this sometimes. We talked about Jesus who reigns in all power and authority. And, and so his, his, his power is broken in many ways. He no longer reigns. The enemy no longer reigns. Jesus reigns, but He remains. We have not seen until the very end of the book of Revelation where He is finally and fully chained and cast down and removed and all things are made new. The earth is renewed. That day hasn't come yet. And in between, there is an advancing kingdom. There is a work of God in the world. There is that which He is doing, but it's an advance against this world that sits in many ways under the power of the evil one. As He plunders that kingdom to populate His own. As we go through this world this way, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. He says we will have trouble, and we know that. We often come under the attack of the enemy. This is why Paul, when he writes in Ephesians 6, talks about all the flaming darts of the evil one. All the flaming darts of the evil one. That's why as he talks about the Lord who is our protector in verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil. Right? And he says this, he needs to be our protector because we travel through this broken world and the enemy is. There are these, he says, fiery darts. It's the image of arrows coming at us. Right? It's the image of a battle, whether your lines are drawn in the fiery darts of the enemy or the image of, of traveling. If you are traveling through a dark alley somewhere and the, the idea that there will be ambush, that there will be that which comes against you, against your marriage, against your life, to tempt you, to cause you to doubt, to drive you down, to push you back. All the flaming darts of the enemy. Suffering and hardship and accusation and temptation. And so Jesus teaches us to pray. Right? He taught us to pray in the midst of this as He will, the Lord will keep you from all evil. And one of the ways He's done that is that Jesus taught us to pray. Because it's a pray, prayer that at least the, the basics of it should be prayed on a daily basis. Because He says, give us this day our daily bread. Um, so that's a daily prayer. So the whole thing is our daily needs, daily ways that we depend upon God. And part of that prayer is that He would deliver us from the evil one. Part of our regular prayer, understanding the world in which we live. Understanding the, the, the pilgrimage that we have, that pilgrim's progress, which is such a powerful image of the, the journey that we are on. To that day, to the day when all things are made new, we travel though a dangerous road. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lift up your eyes. Right? Isn't that what Jesus is when He teaches us to pray like this and to look for help? Is, is to say, lift up your eyes. You deliver me from temptation and from evil. We don't always realize how dangerous the road is. Sometimes I think we live with our blinders on. We don't daily pray that we would be protected from temptation and delivered from evil. Recognizing it's a daily danger. Recognizing the subtle ways in so many directions that those flaming darts come. They don't always come uh, in, in obvious ways. And so we sometimes muddle forward not re- remembering to lift our eyes. Not remembering that we need daily dependence, daily help for God to have us in His hand. He doesn't promise that we won't suffer. He doesn't promise that we won't be tempted. 
It doesn't promise that we will be exempt from the kind of things that everybody who walks through this world, this broken, cursed world, will experience. We see as much cancer inside of our church as we see outside. We see people in our church lose jobs just like they do outside. We see people in marriages in our church struggle just like we see them outside. We are not, in one sense, exempt from all of those things. But there is that which you and I have that the world doesn't have. And that is a keeper. A keeper who filters all these things through his fingers. There are times though, not being exempt that we feel depressed. You may be here this morning and that may be you. Depressed, attacked, let down, discouraged, betrayed, hurt, lost, confused, alone. Sometimes you may feel all that in the course of a day. Or the course of a week. Some days are better than others. And we may wonder where God is. And maybe you are wondering right now as we read that list. And I've spent time with many of those people. And we continue to, as we spend time with each other going through these things, there are many times where we wonder where God is. People who have suffered so much, who, who are called to suffer more. Who are called to endure more. Where are you, oh Lord? Isn't that as often? There's always why. And there's that sense of where are you, oh Lord, in the midst of this? How can this be? So many ways that we wonder. You may be as simple as you're finishing high school or finishing college. You're at a crossroads in your life and you're confused or you're anxious about the future and you're wondering what's ahead and you... you, you Job situations, profound parenting struggles, spiritual struggles. We're given this picture of a pilgrim in progress, traveling by foot through a dangerous and difficult road, the kind of road you and I travel. We are not beamed up. You know, sometimes you always wonder that. Why don't when we trust in Jesus, He just beam us up? Right? Wouldn't that be nice? Just delivered from the have to, to deal with it all, to sin or to whatever. You know, as our children believe, you know, we're ex- exempted from everything, either beamed up or somehow don't have to go through any of it. But we're not. But you and I have a guardian who always watches over, a guardian who guides and who protects and who strengthens and who keeps you. So as we think about this, of why we lift our eyes to this one, is that we we go through these dangers, but also we lift our eyes because as we travel, we know that there is this keeper. And so we should be people whose eyes are always being lifted because we're always in these dangers and we're always in need to depend upon Christ along the way. And so our keeper, I wanted to run through some of the ways that the Lord Keeping is keeping is protective, it's unrelenting, it's refreshing, and it's complete. If we understood the way that our keeper can and does minister to us and meet us and strengthen us and refresh us along the way, we would ever be on our knees with eyes lifted up, calling and seeking this grace, this presence, this power in our lives. This keeping is protective. So we look at verse. Three, He says, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He will not allow your foot to be moved. 
The way is treacherous. We were talking last night about the angels landing out out west, this, this road, and we went home and watched a little video on it. It's a, and, and it's this really narrow uh, ridge that you go up and climb up and go up to, to reach the angel's landing. And I thought it was, as we think about a pilgrim's progress, or a way that is treacherous. It was truly a treacherous way. Um, you know, cli- climbing with sheer drop-offs of thousands of feet. There are many ways that our way is treacherous. Sometimes we don't know it. We live in America. So many of our needs are met. We have so much. We are sometimes half asleep at the wheel not knowing that we are in a constant battle. That the world lies under the power of the evil one. That his darts that he seeks, he roams around seeking whom he may devour. That there's an enemy of our souls and an enemy of our marriages and an enemy of our, our household and our homes. There is an enemy of God. There's an enemy of His kingdom. And the way is treacherous. But he says, I will not let your foot be moved. I will not let you stumble to fall. You will not go down in this fight. You will not let the enemy get the best of you. In the end, he says, I will cause you to stand. The way is treacherous. There is no doubt. He says, but I will cause you to stand. This is 1 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And he assures them that it is the Lord who will sustain you to the end. And that sustain is that He will cause you to stand. He will establish you. He will not let your foot be moved to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, God is the one who is faithful. God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is the faithful one who will sustain us and will cause us to stand on that day. There is much that can cause us to slip. Many ways that we stumble. Many ways that we even fall. But God says that He will keep your feet if you will lift up your eyes, if you will keep lifting up your eyes, from where does our help come? It comes from Yahweh who says, I will keep you. I will sustain you. His keeping is unrelenting. Look at verse 4. He goes on and He says, the one who keeps you, 3 and 4, he, he who keeps you will neither slumber. Behold, whoever keep, the one who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He will not be asleep on the job. His watch care is 24-7. Right, 24-7, it, it, is, it is unrelenting. It is always there. Day and night, as the sun rises, as you put your head on your pillow, He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. You may be taking a rest, but He doesn't. He's not like a human guard that may fall asleep at the post. In the military, they have, for a lot of them, in the times of war, to fall asleep on your post is a death penalty. Right, you don't, you know, but why is there these kind of penalties, these kind of things? Because human guards may fail. We get sleepy, we get tired, we get weary, we are weak, we are made of clay, we may fall asleep at the job. But the Lord is vigilant. He does not slumber, He does not sleep, He doesn't need it. You remember Elijah at Mount Carmel? And he gathers the 450 prophets of Baal, and he goes to meet them, and when they're calling upon their God in a time of need, and the Baal doesn't answer, and how does Elijah mock them? Maybe he's taking a nap. Maybe he's, 
he's tired and he's overslept because he's had a raucous night. You know, maybe he's, you know, there's this mocking, but Yahweh does not slumber. He is there when we call. He answers prayer. He hears His people. You can go to sleep at night. You ever have trouble sleeping? You lay awake. I have these. You know, it, it all depends. And it's usually something that's happened in my day. Something that's going on. You ever lay asleep at night going through the scenarios? Going through the scenarios of what was said or what was done or going through the scenarios how I would do that or how this and you know that or just worrying about what might come of it. or worrying. You ever lay at night and run the tapes? You know, does it ever keep you from falling asleep? Uh, that kind of thing, you know, because we're worried, because we're anxious. These things weigh on us. And what the Scripture is telling us, you can go to sleep. You can pray the Lord your soul to keep. And He will. He will reign over you and watch over you while you sleep. You need not stay awake. Because you have a keeper. A Lord who is in control of all of these things. So Psalm 4, verse 8, it says this, In peace... I will both lie down and I will sleep. For you alone, O Yahweh, make me to dwell in safety. I can play the tape all night and be no safer in the morning. I can play the tape all night and not be any less. Who of you by worrying can add a single day, can change a single thing, can change a single color of his hair on his head? You alone are our keeper. Our safety resides in Him. And so His keeping is protective. It's unrelenting and it's refreshing. This Lord who is your keeper, verse 5, He is the Lord who is the shade at your right hand. It's really an amazing picture. Some of these pictures are almost, if they weren't in the Scripture, I wouldn't dare to use them. You know, that the Lord would be at my right hand in some way. That He condescends. You know, to be at, you know, Jesus sits at the Father's right hand in glory. To be at the right hand is a place of, of honor and prestige and power to the one who sits on the throne, to the one whose right hand you are at. And the Lord says that in some ways and in some circumstances, as He condescends to be our watcher and our keeper, He is at our right hand. It's a picture of nearness and readiness. He is close. He never leaves nor forsakes. He is even at our right hand. He is there and ready to help in a time of need. It's a powerful picture. He is the shade at our right hand. Can you imagine traveling through the Middle East on foot? It's a warm place. It's a hot place. You know, not as much vegetation as you would like. The sun is hot and unrelenting. Right? So you have this whole traveling. It's the heat, the thirst, sunburn. So you're wrapping yourself up in the heat to keep from sunburn. And then there's sunstroke, which is a real thing that can damage our brains, that can even kill us. And so traveling in those days in the heat. So not only is this, there's this worry of, the, of, of ambush and that kind of thing on the road, just traveling in that environment was dangerous. In so many ways. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. God is like a shade for us. That cool relief. If you've ever stood in the sun and then you're finally able to get, like, slide under the shade of something, 
And it's like, can you almost sense the immediate relief of that sun that keeps drilling into you? The cool relief from the relentless, blistering heat of the sun. The Lord is a shade at our right hand. He brings relief. You know, water for your dry tongue in that moment. The God who is near to comfort and strengthen. You know, a tree in which to rest along the way. His keeping is complete. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. He'll keep you from how much evil? A little bit of the evil? Some of the evil? A great portion of the evil? He will keep us from all evil. His keeping is, is protective and unrelenting and it's refreshing and it's complete. In other words, there is nothing that you go through that the Lord doesn't know about isn't not only aware of, but has been your watcher in it, up to it, and through it, that nothing, do you believe that nothing comes into your life apart from His knowledge and apart from His will, what He allows? I mean, we see this in Job's life when the enemy wants to assault Job. There's a sense in which he has to get permission from God. And and Job complains and says that, uh, the enemy Satan complains that Job is faithful because, he, because he's comfortable. You know, and the Lord says, you can do this much and no more. Or the Lord says, you can do this much and no more. Nothing came into Job's life but what the Lord said, this much and no more. The Lord measures it out. The enemy is on a leash. There is nothing in this world that is full of evil. It's not random. It's not out of control. God doesn't stand back and say, oh no. You know, in terms of what happens in your life, what comes into your life, the Scripture says with such clarity, all things work together for the good of those who love Him. All things. He protects us from all evil and He makes them all to work to the good of His people, which means He orders it. He watches over it. He orders it. He controls it. He is in charge of it. Even as we experience the brokenness of this world, it is not out of His control. He does not wring His hands over what happens in the lives of His people. He is our watcher. Jesus prays in John 17 in the high, in the upper room, the high priestly prayer. He says, Holy Father, keep them. Right? This is Psalm 121. Father, keep them. Be their keeper. The keeper in your name, for your name's sake, not because they deserve it, not because they've been faithful, not because of anything in them, but Father, keep them in your holy name. They bear your name and you have taken them under your wing and they belong to you. Father, keep them. I don't ask that you take them out of the world. In other words, the the way will be treacherous because it's full of brokenness and sin and the curse that will not be lifted until all things are made new heaven and earth. Father, I don't ask that You take them out of the world. Not yet. But keep them from the evil one. Keep them. Protect them. Don't let them, you know, as Paul says, the Lord says that He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. The enemy's on a leash. If you couldn't bear it, He wouldn't let it into your life to bear it with Him, with His grace, with His presence and His power and His Spirit. You're not going to bear any of it by yourself. But with his, 
by His grace, He won't let anything into your life beyond what He is doing and able to preserve. Oh, do, you want, do, you, do you taste the confidence that is here, that, is, that, that exudes from this psalm that the Lord reigns omnipotent and He is able to keep us? His keeping is unceasing. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He's going to keep your life. The Lord will keep your coming, your going out and your coming in, not only from this time forth, but forever. Not just when you're sleeping, but when you're going out and when you're coming in. In other words, all day too. In the course of your daily activities, in the course of your normal life. How long was He going to do this? How long is He going to watch over me like this? You know, my comings and my going and my sleeping, is He going to be my protector? From this time forth and forevermore, the Lord is your keeper. The flesh will fail, but He preserves your soul. His love is an everlasting love. And so as we travel, He says, I will lift my eyes to Yahweh. Where does my help come from if not from the Lord? We travel a road that is fraught with peril. And He says, I will lift my eyes, just going back and touching that for a minute, He says, I will lift my eyes to the hills. And we need to talk about that for just a minute because there's a couple ways you can hear that. And one way, the, the hills are a positive thing. And there's another way that the hills are not a positive thing. Right? And the way that it's not a positive thing, he could be saying, I lift up my eyes to the hills. The hills were the place when, when Israel was led astray and was worshiping false gods and that kind of stuff. It was almost always in the hills. The Asherahs and the, that kind of stuff were always in the hills and, and the way they worshiped their gods was up there. So it could be that kind of thing. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Not from the hills. My help comes from Yahweh, who is the Maker of heaven and earth and those hills in which they perform these things. So in one way, the hills, you know, he, he throws them out there. I lift up my eyes to the hills. No. Where does my help come from? Yahweh. But another way to take it where the hills are, are a positive thing, and we don't really know the answer. Either way, it works. You know? But the other could be that, that, is, that Israel's capital, Jerusalem, was, was in the hills. You always went up to Jerusalem no matter which direction you were coming from, because you gained elevation. The hills, it's referred to as Zion. You know, and the place where His throne, God's throne is, so to speak, reigning over His people. It's where the temple was and His presence and the Holy of Holies. And so there are many ways when He says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. That is, to, the, to Zion. To, to the place where God's presence and power has been manifest in the midst of His people. Uh, and, and, and we say, well, what is that a type and a picture of? But heaven itself, where it says on that day, He will live in the midst of His people and we won't need a son and we won't need... It's that place where His presence and His power is. And so we lift up our eyes to the heavens. We lift up our eyes to Zion, the new Jerusalem that's coming. We look to the Lord who has us in hand forevermore. And so it has that very positive. You pick which way you want to go. Both of them work. Because two things are very clear as you come out of that, right? Two things come out of it. That we're called to lift up our eyes to the Lord. And that our help doesn't come from the hills, good or bad, but from Yahweh, who is the maker of heaven and earth. And what we come away with is lifting our eyes to Him. To get our eyes off the road. 
to get our eyes off the circumstances and the troubles, to come on a morning like this and to give yourself in worship, to lift up your eyes above all that would take us down, to find here the renewal of His presence day by day on the journey, to find that if we need help, it's, it's a whole picture of dependence that we need to cultivate in a way deeper and stronger than you and I normally or naturally gravitate toward. I lift my eyes to the hills. What is the psalmist teaching us? He's teaching us that there is a God-honoring way to deal with our anxiety. A God-honoring way to deal with our fear. A God-honoring way to handle these things that rise up in our lives. The hurt, the confusion, you name it. Paul tells us, God tells us through Paul in the New Testament, do not be anxious about anything. About nothing. Do not be anxious about anything. How do I do that, Paul? And his answer is the same as Psalm 121 in so many ways. Where is our help found? I'm going to be anxious. And I know that you know, we are only human in the sense that we will face hurt, pain, anger, anguish, anxiety, fear, worry. But there's a God-honoring way. There's a right way to seek the One who is able to handle these things. And really, if you come away from nothing else as we seek to apply it, is to teach ourselves, to teach our hearts, and to teach our souls to go to the right place. To go in the right direction. In the Old Testament, God again and again comes to His people and says, why do you look everywhere else for help? Why do you trust in so many other things? Why do you depend on things of this world? Why do you look around you and not lift up your eyes? Psalm 20, verse 7, it says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will trust in the name of Yahweh, our God. Or Isaiah 31, it says, Woe to those who will go down to Egypt for help. And we go down to Egypt for help all the time. Trusting in ourselves. Trusting in our friends. Trusting in our resources. Trusting in our talents. Trusting in our hard work. Trusting in our ability to take control and to do it. Trusting in, trusting in, trusting in so many things. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. Those who rely on horses. Who trust in chariots because they're many. And in horsemen because they're strong. And do not look up to the Holy One. Where do you look for help? Where does your help come from? One of the most costly mistakes that we make is that we doubt God's care. We forget His presence. We forget that He is our keeper. That we have a keeper. And that His keeping is perfect. That it's protective and unrelenting and complete and refreshing and that God will be to us what we need. When life takes an unexpected turn, when you lose a job, hear a diagnosis, enter the valley, lift up your eyes. When you've been struggling in a difficult relationship with, at work, at home, with your spouse, with your children, where will you look? Lift up your eyes. When your mind is filled with doubt, when the enemy tempts you, when the enemy causes you to stumble, where does your help come from? Jude, he says, now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. 
to Him who is able to keep you. Yahweh is your keeper. Of whom will you be afraid? Yahweh will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Do you know it? Is He the first resource that you turn to and rely on? Is He the place where your hope resides? Are your eyes lifted up? Are you navel-gazing? Are we fixed on our problems and our narrow view? calls you. Lift up your eyes if you know where your help comes from. Pray with me. Father in heaven, as we reflect on the words of this verse this morning, I find words to be inadequate to convey what you are saying here. Would you speak to our hearts this morning about who you are as the keeper of our souls, the lover of our souls, our shepherd through the valley of the shadows and of death. Teach us, Father, to walk with you to lift our eyes, to trust in You. Teach us to know who You are and that we would ever, ever trust in You and in You alone. Father, all these things we ask and pray in the strong name of Jesus our Savior. Amen.